Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. And as ever, thank you so, so much for choosing to press that play button. And on this episode, we're going to challenge digital marketing. Digital marketing is huge. You know, we're in a world of digital, we're in a world of transparency and accountability, and everything has to return. Everything has to bring something back based on what you invest. And there has never been a better time to measure your marketing as a business. Digital marketing gives us that opportunity to work with industry standard metrics, to create our own metrics and figure out exactly what works for us. There are people out there that are crushing this. Guys like Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, testing what works. And today, that is exactly what we're going to talk about. And joining me this episode is someone who specializes in digital marketing, especially in large enterprise. And my episode guest today has worked at numerous startups across the UK and London, from places like Touch Local to Wink Bingo. And actually, he was one of the first employees at Wonga before he decided to go it alone and form his integrated marketing agency called Curve. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Mr. Orin Greenberg. Oh, pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. And wow, I mean, this topic is so broad, but it's so important. Digital marketing is on everyone's mind. Every entrepreneur, every business person that I talk to has some kind of digital marketing question. So before we dive into that, let's just paint Oren as the expert. What is it you actually do, Oren? Where did you come from and what is it you do for people? (laughs) Um, It's funny. I never really expected to fall into digital marketing. I started as an animator of all things. And I remember I was um, looking for for jobs at the time. I worked for BBC and Tiger Aspect and... um, looking for jobs and I saw there's like four vacancies for 3D animation. There was 1,600 vacancies for online marketing. And then I thought, well, I'm obviously kind of going down the wrong route. And um, I actually started at Wink Bingo. You know, they did incredibly well. They sold to 888 a few years ago. And I kind of picked up momentum there and kind of evolved from a very specialized search marketing. I started with PPC and um, then I moved on to SEO and then you know, I've been doing this for quite a while now. And I guess now I've got a broad skill set, you know, if it's email marketing, affiliate marketing, and then very specialized in specific channels, you know, if it's um, highly competitive keywords like payday loans or bingo, online bingo, you know, this is sort of the top 20, 30 most competitive industries in the UK. And how do you get to the number one for such a competitive term? And that's essentially what I've spent quite a few years now figuring out. And, um, you know, the community, there's a huge community internationally in the UK and internationally for search marketing and that's evolving and you're, you're starting to see lots of different groups and all of these different bubbles. And really what I do a lot of the time is I'm kind of like an academic, I suppose. I spend a lot of time talking to like-minded specialists and reading a lot of content, you know, sometimes I can spend four or five hours a day just reading because really it's about becoming a knowledge worker and, and really knowledge is power. And a lot of the time I spend is iteratively testing different things for my clients across specialist channels to get them the best result. 
And um, it takes a long time to kind of crack it. Sometimes it doesn't take a long time, but most of the time it does. Um, I mean, I've got some kind of really interesting examples of, you know, kind of top level accomplishments that I've achieved for some of the clients. You know, at one point I was managing the most amount of, I think, PPC clients in the UK. I was managing 8,600 PPC accounts and that, that grew to sort of 11,500 during my 18 months in that job. Um, and that, that was pretty interesting. You know, I had to build a separate system just to manage PPC for that volume of clients. How do you go about doing it? Because you can't just manually go and tweak individual client accounts. In other words, that's impossible at that scale. And um, actually the accounts were so large, you actually had to have multiple PPC accounts. Um, so, you know, I kind of do, because I've been doing it for so long as one of the kind of, I guess, one of the first SEO guys in the UK, I started back when Moz was just kind of coming to grips with it. And I've kind of grown with the type of clients that I work with over time. And we still do work for some clients, you know, disruptive startups that, you know, well-funded. Some of my clients have received sort of, a, one of my clients recently received 30 million in funding, another one just received 4 million in funding. So if there's like an innovation disruptive concept and they kind of need to get up to grabs very quickly, then usually through my network, I get recommended to come in and help them. And then, you know, I work in two different uh, capacities. One of them is strategic. You need that advice. You need that experience. The second is you actually need someone who's qualified and got the skills and can really assist and deliver. And that's where Curve, you know, which is my digital marketing agency, that's how they come in them. My guys, you know, I handpick, I hand train them and we do lots of training and I work with them and, you know, to make sure that the quality for our clients is exactly as I expect it to be. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for a very long time. So everything's about quality and I think quality is moving to become so much more important. Um, yeah, went in a bit of a tantrum there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a well-rounded outlook though. I mean, I love that you're marrying the strategic side with the tactical side and that's something that a lot of people especially in smaller business, they kind of go off on a tangent sometimes and they they go ahead and implement things without really thinking about why they're doing it. And that's mm. that's kind of why we're here today to talk about, you know, what, what really makes a strong digital marketing campaign. And actually more than that, within a business, what makes a strong digital marketing culture? And I think that's vital moving forward. So what I'd like to do now, Aaron, is just talk about the state of digital marketing today. You know, where has digital marketing come from over the last couple of years and what is it like today for business owners? Is it as competitive as it's ever been? Are there gaps in the market to be exploited? And, you know, what are the opportunities there for people? So that's a really interesting, um, a really interesting question. And I think, I mean, really it's two questions, right? You're asking what are the gaps and is it becoming more competitive? I think broadly speaking, some of the things I do haven't changed for the past 10 years. And, you know, like content marketing, it's a huge amount of buzz around content marketing. But the truth is, you know, getting links for SEO purposes, it's always been about engaging in high quality content. I don't mean, you know, there's a lot of um, different schools of thoughts around SEO. You know, you get this a lot when you look at academics as well. And when you look at um, philosophy or, you know, any kind of specialist um, area, you've got different thought leaders and they have different opinions about how you go about doing things. Some people say SEO is dead. And in some ways that's actually true. SEO in terms of buying dodgy links and spinning low quality content, which got like, you know, Interflora banned and got 450 advertorial sites in the UK penalized with, you know, the Daily Mail had a page rank drop from nine to six. And that was like, you know, that was only about two years ago. But nowadays, PageRank isn't even updated algorithmically by Google anymore. So when you look at these kind of tactical changes, 
you can really discern and see that is a massive change. You know, page rank, you would buy links based on page rank and that doesn't occur anymore. So has that changed? Yes. But has, you know, creating high quality, engaging content, has that actually ever changed? Well, technically you could say for the last 200 years, it's always been about creating engaging content. You know, if you think about what marketing and advertising has always been about, how do you get the right message to the right person at the right time in the most effective medium, you know, the most cost effective medium? And how do you really get them to engage with that message and, and become a sale? Because really marketing is just that conduit between getting an eyeball into actually getting them into a conversion. Now, has it become more competitive? I think in specialist areas, definitely. You know, when I started SEO, there weren't many SEO guys around. Now, every everyone's an SEO expert. Um, you know, like everything, ninety nine percent of people don't know what they're talking about. I mean, you know, maybe that's a bit harsh, but I don't know. I mean, for my experience, just because someone says an expert doesn't mean that they are. And it's really hard because there's no real qualification for SEO. You know, so how do you discern? And that's what becomes so difficult. Um, are there gaps in the market? I think definitely, you know, I think, um, you know, what you do is a phenomenal example where podcasting is really taking off and producing high quality engaging content. You know, I see a lot of people investing now in video. Um, I think social marketing, you know, social marketing and social media, that's obviously there's a lot more focus there. The tools are evolving at a rapid rate. But when you look at display, display hasn't rapidly changed. I mean, it has in the sense of, you know, real time bidding um, and, you know, enterprise level. It has in terms of integration of networks. It has in terms of the ease. PPC's changed a lot in terms of um, a lot of people now say PPC can mostly be automated, which is, you know, really interesting. The analytical tools for managing PPCs are far more developed. Um, in terms of, it's very difficult when you're talking about different, um, it's very client specific, right? So client in one sector, if he's ahead of the game, it could be that it's not very competitive for him. But in terms of the awareness around the importance of digital marketing as a whole, that definitely has become more competitive and there's a lot more need for it. But there hasn't been a catch up of talent so, you know, from almost everyone I talk to, if it's MPs of other agencies, if it's a 200 man company, or if it's a, a company that's decided to bring it in house and decided to hire someone to manage the digital marketing, I'm consistently hearing from everyone there's a shortage of talent. And I think that that, that reoccurring conversation about shortage of talent is really clearly showing you that digital marketing is growing rapidly, that there are gaps to capitalize on them, but you've got to be smart about how you do that and invest in the right places to capitalize on, on that rapidly changing landscape yeah. i love the idea about the the, the shortage, of, shortage of talent because it's something that we see on the other side of digital which is building the platforms there's a real shortage of very good developers which is really really interesting because frankly they just snapped up so so quickly so it's, it's kind of comforting to see that as an agency at dmsqd we aren't alone in that it's actually the digital landscape that's evolving so so quickly that frankly just people can't keep up with it which is i find that so so curious and i just want to move into that client side a, a second actually because the people listening out there are of course potential clients of agencies like curve and what are the biggest questions that entrepreneurs and business owners or marketing operations managers have for you or in what what do they keep bringing to you again and again well it's a really fantastic question you know what i, I can't um I find it fascinating because different clients have such different backgrounds and the way that their background forms their questions is really fascinating. And, but almost always I'd imagine that it's, it's almost always around strategy 
and specialist knowledge and questions. And, you know, sometimes we get clients and they, <laughs> they kind of go, oh, PPC, yeah, it's very straightforward. You just select the keywords and you bid on it. And it's a bidding model. I really get that. And they go in and they mess it up. And then we have to clean up after them because they think it's very simple and straightforward. Um, other clients are very hands-on and they really get that result. And I think it really depends on the strengths and weaknesses of the client. How technically competent are they? What is the in-house team good at? Um, I think everyone is always trying to save a buck. So they're trying to find the balance between what can we do in-house with my existing team or who am I hiring and how much do I outsource? And it's really interesting because they come to me to ask me how much work should they be giving me and how much work should they be keeping in-house? And then what they fear, what they're really looking for is kind of an unbiased view, but the only people they can get the unbiased view is a specialist who's trying to sell them something. So there's always this kind of tug of war, of a conflict between the agency and, and I think it really comes down to the, the efficacy. You know, I was just talking yesterday to the CMO of one of the largest um, mobile companies in the UK. They grew from, a bit, I think, 125 employees to 1,200 employees over a seven-year period. And he said, um, he said two really interesting things. And the first thing he said is, you can really discern passion. You can really easily see who's passionate and who there is, who, who, there, who isn't. And I think from a client point of view, when you're shopping around for an agency, you need to understand what you're passionate about and you want to get involved with and bring in in-house, regardless of the pound cost, but what also interests you. Because if you're thinking, I'm going to get someone into marketing to, to market and manage PPC for me in-house, but you really don't care about PPC and getting hands-on, that's probably a bad move. Because you're not going to be able to hold that person who's working in-house responsible for any measurable delivery because any time you ask him why isn't something working is going to come up with a different excuse. So unless you're really genuinely interested in it, you're better having the accountability and responsibility, you know, attributed to someone that you can really manage effectively. Um, and that was the first thing that he said. And then the second thing that he said was that people are really lacking that specialist skill and knowledge and that a lot of people, they say they, they're doing too much and they're spreading some too thin being generalists. And really what he's looking for when he's hiring an agency is he's not looking for another full service agency that's doing a bit of everything, but really he's looking for very specialists. But keep in mind, he's a CMO of an enterprise level um, business. He needs specialists. And funny enough, he's, you know, I've talked to three other CMOs and they all said the same thing. He says, I'd love to work with a full service agency. You can do everything, but I know that that's not realistic. And that's why I go for a specialist agency. So I think... The clients, they need to really discern and understand, what am I willing to do in-house? How much am I willing to pay for that? And how important is it for me? Because your Twitter marketing isn't equivalent to LinkedIn and it's not the same for you as what you're doing on Facebook. And you really need to understand which channel is most important and you want to put the most amount of energy and time into the specialist who focuses on the channel that's most important to your business, right? I think that's vital. I love the idea of... of actually assessing what means the most to you and actually what you place the most value. And I think that applies at, at any level of business. And if you're listening out there, guys, you know, and you sat there thinking to yourself, well, social is social. You know, what Orin's saying there is actually, no, that's that's not quite right. You know, there are different channels within social. And I love that because so, so often, and I'm talking even at enterprise level at times, we see people coming in where we're specializing in design or digital build. And they're just going to throw money at social, but it's just at social with no strategy, no differentiation, no actual thought into content or value or calls to action or metrics or what it actually means to the business. And I love the idea of just almost point scoring what you value the most. I think that is so, so vital. I'd really like that. I really like that a lot. 
And Orin, what we're going to do now, we're actually a little bit early, but your actionable tips are so, so good. And actually, I think they warrant a little bit more discussion. So actually, we're going to dive in a little bit early to the famous excellence expected actionable tips section. So I know you've been working very hard on these three tips. So Orin, what is your first actionable tip for the guys listening? Um, hmm. so I think I'm going to sum it up and then I'm going to repeat it just for clarity's sake, because it's a, it's a convoluted topic. Essentially it's measure, measure, measure. And I think there's, there's two aspects to measuring. One of them is getting very specific with what you're measuring. Are you measuring traffic? Are you measuring likes? Are you measuring leads? What are the traffics? What are the traffic channels that you're actually measuring effectively on? Because Twitter and LinkedIn and AdWords and the content marketing, you're measuring very different things. And I see very commonly people are grouping the metrics that they're measuring as the same metric and they're trying to kind of get this homogenous view across the different channels, but they're very different animals. It doesn't make sense. So I think get very clear on what are you defining per channel. I think that's the first one. So you've got to set the KPIs, the key performance indicators, You've got to set the milestones, but you've got to set what's happening, but also where you want to get it to, because you can't improve on what you're not measuring, right? That's it's so critical. You know, I think there's this, um, this really lovely quote, and I, I was thinking about this quote when, um, when I first about the first actionable item, and then um, I'm just going to read it out now. It's um, that measurement is the first step that leads to control and eventually improvement. If you can't measure something, you can't understand it. If you can't understand it, you can't control it. And if you can't control it, you can't improve it. I think it's Harrington that said that. Um, so that's the first aspect of metrics. I think you've got to very, be very clear with what the metrics, setting them out, making sure that you're measuring them. But then the second one is making sure that you're not setting vanity metrics. And for me, vanity metrics is looking at Facebooks and saying, I've, I've increased my likes by 12.5% every month, month. And then the next question that you know, I'd ask as a digital marketer here, who's very performance driven, would be, and how many sales did that generate? And if the answer is, I don't know, then, and then ask, you know, how much time are you spending on your Facebook? And you know, they're going five hours a week, and how much of your total marketing budget is that eighty percent? And you know, how much of your focus is that taking? So much, but what is the tangible result that that's delivering? Because doing marketing and not delivering sales, what's the point? You know, you're not. If you're, even if you're brand building, there's a misconception here about someone seeing and being exposed to your brand and actually delivering a measurable result that's actually significant, right? So I think my first insight would be you got to measure, 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 which means you got to be very consistent with your measurements, make sure you're measuring the right things. And then the second aspect is really making sure that what you're measuring is the right metric, for that particular channel, but more importantly, according to the goals that you're working on and you're trying to achieve. I think that is summed up so, so well. And I think I love the idea of the vanity, vanity metrics because there are so many people professing to get your X amount of likes and so many people that we talk to collectively as an industry really, really stating heavily on things like likes or Twitter engagement, you know, and it's, that tangibility around that is sometimes very difficult to get across to people. That it's actually, it doesn't matter what else you are doing. If it's not driving anything tangible and if it's not actually affecting the bottom line, then really, is it worth it? So I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that's fantastic. And moving on to actionable tip number two, sir. All 
All right. So I think um, this is something very common that I see with clients that come to talk to me and, and you know, regardless whether they go with us or whether they take us on or whether or not they just want, you know, sometimes people just want to get my, my thoughts on a particular topic. They're kind of, they're not, you know, they're just in this awareness phase, right? This kind of a HubSpot concept of I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn the subject. I'm trying to understand, is it pruned into my business? I think the reason that this happens is because people reading blog posts and there's so much content out there and there's a lot of conflicting content and they read it and they think, you know, and it says in the blog post, you have to invest in social. You can't miss out on social, right? This is really applicable to small business owners. And um, the business owner is sitting there thinking, Jesus Christ, you know, what am I doing? Am, am I missing a huge opportunity? Uh, you know, are my competitors ahead of me in social? What does this mean? Do I really need to invest in that? And then they go and they try and figure it out. And the most common problem you see with um, businesses, small and medium, is they don't use social right. So they're doing social. They've read they need to do it. But what they're doing is they're constantly trying to sell. They're constantly trying to push. And people aren't interested in their product offering. Well, really, they need to be investing as a curation of high-quality content, and then they need to decide how much of their budget they're investing in creating authentic, engaging, unique content, and they need to find what that ratio is. And generally, there's, you know, there's kind of good ratios for this. Like, you know, if you're spending 30% of your budget on creating content and 70% distributing it, that's a pretty healthy thing. Because if you're just, in, you know, I've got clients, they invest huge amounts of money into content, but no one's reading it. What's the point? What's the point of having so much incredible content if you're not pushing it out there? So, but Understanding and knowing how to do that requires a specialist. And I think the problem is too many businesses, they're trying to do everything themselves because all of this content's available online, but they haven't chosen the right partner who's experienced enough to actually provide them with that insight. A great example like I gave before was AdWords. You know, someone goes in, they go, oh, there's tons of blog content around AdWords. I'll just go and learn how to do it myself. And then that with an inflated bill, it doesn't work. And then they go, AdWords is, is crap. It's, it's a really bad platform. But in reality, was it that it wasn't implemented properly and you didn't get an expert to do it? Or was it that AdWords really didn't work for you? You know, we see both cases. I'm not saying, you know, bad, you know, the guy could be a genius and he knows how to set it up and he's very, you know, he doesn't need to be AdWords qualified or Google partner or display qualified and he's really smart and he figures it out and it just really didn't work for his business. But nine out of tens, what I see is that it isn't set up. Even on enterprise level clients, I'm not saying a small client with 10 employees, I'm saying even like some companies with 500 employees, they just haven't set up AdWords right. And it's really crazy for me to go in and see that. And, you know, I get really basic quick wins and they're so impressed. But in reality, it took me half an hour to do just because I understand best practice and they just didn't go and, and do it properly. So you got to you got to really find the right expert for you. You don't go with someone just because they're self-proclaimed expert because they've got 20,000 followers on Twitter. You know, you got to find the, you got to really shop around and find that because if you do that effectively, it will save you so much time and headache than if you're trying to either do it yourself or go with someone who's a clown. Without any question. I, I love the idea of spending the time doing it because especially when you think about marketing, the way that a lot of people do kind of focus on marketing, it, it's very reactive at times. And suddenly someone for whatever reason, gets the idea of using social or using AdWords or, you know, implementing an SEO strategy or an SEO uh, campaign. And very, very frequently, they will just find, frankly, the cheapest person that is relatively regional to them. And you've, you do have to find that that right partner. You, in any other aspects of your business, you wouldn't rush into the cheapest thing. So why do it with your digital marketing? I yeah. think that's vital. I think there's a, there's a problem with digital marketing because it's it's theoretically free, right? It's just using bytes and data and, you know, people thinking it's not tangible. Why should I buy for it? Like, you know, how many people are hesitating about buying an iPhone? Like, they don't even give it a second thought. iPhones, it's a no-brain, I need to buy one. Because it's tangible. It's, for, it's, it's also very personal. Like, I really get a lot of value out of it. Digital marketing... 
because the business owner is so overwhelmed with running the business. You got the PL, you got human resources, you got legal ramifications, you've got client relationships. If you're producing a product, then you know you've got the factories and you've got relationships. You know, there's negotiation. With all of that busyness, when they go online and they read a few articles from a few blogs that may not may or may not be applicable to their business, then they automatically assume because the advice is free that it's something that's very easy to go and do. But in reality, there's a reason that it's specialized, you know? And it's, I think it's undervalued because there's a misconception, because there's so much available content out there. But, you know, very simply, just because there's a lot of content out there around how to build a house, does that mean you're going to go and try and build a house yourself? I mean, I've tried building things myself, and now I use builders because I realize how hard it actually is. You know, so you got to find the right partner who really gets your business and is very specialized. Ideally, if they're sector specific, that's really great. Ideally, if they work with the businesses of your size, that's really important. And then um, a lot of people, they go, you know, sometimes clients don't even ask me if we specialize in the industry. Sometimes it's not relevant, but sometimes it is. And it's really important to ask those right questions. If you don't know the right questions, find the partner who can help you come up with the right questions to be asking to find someone who's really going to deliver results to your business, especially if you're going to go be um, paying, a, you know, putting your money where your mouth is and actually paying someone to help you, you need to make sure that person's the right, the right partner, the right provider. Take your time with it. That's a cracking way to finish that tip off. Take your time with it. What a, what a tidbit there. And I think that's the key thing with all, all things digital marketing generally is take your time and don't try and rush them. So whole, again, wholeheartedly agree with that one. And moving on to actionable tip number three, sir. So I think my, my third one is, um, there's a lot of misconception around, Marketing, because marketing, it's incredibly vast. And even the word marketing means some, so many different things to different people, right? And I think I wanted to differentiate the three main trends that I see in marketing. It's very broad. And um, I think that there's a lot of misconception around these three different aspects. And I think the first one is traditional marketing. The second is digital marketing. And the third is growth hacking. Now, for me, growth hacking is startups, and startups, the, it's, it's kind of like thinking about quantum mechanics and thinking about Newtonian physics. So Newtonian physics, you know, they apply to big objects in real life, things that you and I, we play with every day, a monitor, a cup, a car. When you try and apply these same rules to quantum mechanics, it goes all fuzzy. It just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't work on a quantum level. It's too granular. And I think a lot of the blogs, a lot of the content that's being produced by marketeers out there, you're, sometimes they're, they're leveraging enterprise level advice for a small business. You know, I mean, as a business owner, I've made this mistake. And, you know, even though I've been running my agency for a little while now, I understand that because I've worked enterprise level and client side for so many years, I've been trying to build infrastructure for my business to scale it when really I should be out there talking to people and getting clients. It's really ridiculous. It's really insane. But I'm just, I'm reading all of this stuff and I'm applying it to my business, but it doesn't really necessarily apply because what I'm reading isn't right for my business size. And I see this very commonly between growth hacking, which is, you know, a great example, I think, for growth hacking would be, how do you pay the least amount for acquiring a customer and how do you get them to scale up the business through word of mouth? A great example is Dropbox, right? So Dropbox, their marketing was, if you um, recommend a friend, I'll give you more data more storage data. And then, you know, Cosmetrics is really another great example of that. So both of those use a very similar word of mouth model to grow their product and the business offering. Now, that doesn't work for an agency. That just won't work for an agency if I'm trying to market Curve. I'm not going to go and tell someone, I'll give you a 200 pound um, discount on the service monthly if you go and find me a client. 
It's just not really uh, an applicable marketing technique for agency type service because what we sell is qualitative and it's very, um, it's long sales cycles. It's very specialist. It doesn't work. But Dropbox and data and file sharing, it's a consumer, it's a B2C, it's not a B2B. It's very easy to scale that. It makes a lot of common sense. So you're reading about, oh, I should really implement that for my business, but it may not be right for you. And that's a great example of how growth hacking doesn't apply to like, you know, what I'd say is traditional digital marketing, even though it's only been around for 10, 15 years. Digital marketing now is kind of in some ways becoming archaic because there's so much innovation in what's going on in terms of digital marketing. You can really see that with the combustion of content marketing. So when you're looking at, for example, traditional marketing, I still speak to business owners and CMOs who are thinking about marketing in a non non-metric driven way they still think about it as um offline posters and you know thinking about it as um you know how many people are going to come across my ad where really the beauty of digital marketing is you can track someone an eyeball all the way down to a conversion on your website and a sale Uh, a lot of people they kind of get it broadly they understand that you can try and track a conversion but they don't entirely understand the process of how you do that they don't understand the complexity Right, um, it can get incredibly granular. Like if you look at RTB on a display, you you know you can get so granular. I can show you one of five different ads if you're aged 22 to 25 and you've previously visited the Guardian, the Daily Mail, or Tesco. And I can say I'm going to display this ad at this cost to this person who fits this profile between the times of two and five o'clock. I mean, that's incredibly granular and it's very specific. And then I can even go an extra step and I can say, I'm only willing to pay £2.50 for a person who matches that criteria. Now, that didn't exist 10 years ago. You couldn't have done that, right? And, but even today, you still see people who are paying a fixed amount for a banner on a website. They're still willing to pay um, £3,500 per month to put a banner on that website. And they never even think to ask themselves, how many sales did I get from that banner? They still think that if there's people and that's kind of relevant to the industry, that they can kind of, that's a good deal. But in reality, what they don't know is if they go to a different inventory provider, they can get the same amount of inventory, like they can still get those 10,000 people viewing that banner, but instead of paying 3,500 pounds, they'll be paying 35 pounds. And I'm serious, they are actually completely different metrics where you can go from £3,500 to paying £35 and you're buying the exact same thing. And people just don't know how to go about doing that. So it's really differentiating you know, the kind of traditional marketing logic from the digital marketing world, but definitely not confusing that with a lot of the marketing content that's growth hacking. And growth hacking, it, you know, the thing is with growth hackers, it's an incredibly passionate community. So the, the, the quantity of marketing content they produce out there is such high volume that a lot of the people who should be going for more traditional digital marketing, they're reading this growth hacking stuff and they still have the traditional marketing headset and they just completely get bewildered and they don't understand what left, right and center is, right? So if you're a hyper-local business, for instance, Twitter probably isn't really suited for you. If you're a pizza, if you're running like a, a local pizza and you're listening to the podcast and you're thinking, I really need Twitter because I got talking about social, then Twitter's probably not right for your business. But it is right for different types of businesses. So understanding what channels, what mediums, you know, what metrics you should be capturing and what those uh, costs and economies should be requires a lot of research and thought. And you shouldn't just rush into doing it because you read it on a blog post. So hopefully I've, I've managed, I don't know if I have, you know, let me know because I can't really hear myself talk. But let me know if I've managed to tie in the three insights because my goal was to kind of provide understanding the breadth of what you should be doing in digital marketing, but also tie all those insights one into each other. 
I think that the actionable tips there, I mean, they're so in depth in their nature and that, what that, that really does for me is deliver so much value to you guys listening out there, because frankly, it's very easy to say, do this, do that. But actually, Orion, what you've done there is you've actually delivered an understanding, which I think is, you said, well, you said it so eloquently yourself early with the quote from Harrington, that you, you have to understand how things work and digital marketing is no different. So I think those are fantastic tips. And guys listening out there, if you do want to get in touch with Orin and just discuss anything that we've talked about any further, Orin, just tell the guys listening where they can actually get hold of you online, please. So I think um, if they want to ping me a tweet on um, at Orin Green on Twitter or they can find me on LinkedIn or they can find me on the website, which is uk, and then they can just ping me an email if they're interested. Happy to have a chat. Fantastic. I love it. Guys, please do get in touch with Oren. Absolutely connect with him, especially on Twitter or via his other social media networks because I'm sure that Oren's got so much more value to bring. Oren, thank you, sir. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. My pleasure, Mark. And guys, don't forget, all of the show notes for everything that we've spoken about today, everything that we've discussed around digital marketing, including all of the links to Curve and to Oren himself, will be available at excellence dash expected.com or via the show notes so if you're listening on a mobile device just tap your screen right now and whilst you're over on excellence expected don't forget that you can pick up your free copy of the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact until next time don't forget the more you expect from yourself the more you will excel bye bye